0: This is SideBite, episode 67 for October 16th, 2012. and welcome to by Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast, live every Tuesday night and fresh for download, Wednesday mornings over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. My name is Chris and joining us every single week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather.
1: Hey there, Chris.
0: Hey Heather, happy science to you.
1: Happy science.
0: Okay, so what are we talking about tonight?
1: Today we're going to take a look at the 2012 Nobel Awards in Physics, Felix Gammgardner's Jump exoplanets dentists spacecraft and curiosity updates and as always take a peek back in history and up in the sky this week
0: well i'm looking forward to that i'm going to make one disclaimer up front i only plan to refer to him as felix so that way i can save some sort of face for this episode and with that declaration i say let's move into the news all right heather what is our first news story tonight
1: all right, the 2012 Nobel Award in Physics. The reason I talk about this one specifically is because there was a lot of debate about whether the Higgs boson would be up for right. nomination. Right. It did not win. What did win, I'll talk about quickly and then move on to the why nots of Higgs. What did win was an American physicist and a French physicist were named winners uh, for groundbreaking experiment methods that enabled Measuring and manipulation of individual quantum systems. Okay, that's a mouthful. Essentially what they did is they were able to make um, ultra-precise clocks that could lead to computers being much faster than they are today. You know, methods to peer into weird quantum worlds because everything goes crazy. They don't Mm. follow specific rules all the time. But what it would do possibly is not in the near time future, kind of far away. A quantum computer could theoretically have zero, one, and zero at one all at the same time.
0: Oh, that'd be incredibly powerful.
1: Yes. So, you know, make all sorts of calculations, blazing speed. I saw, I believe, one place that said uh, the difference between computers now and a quantum computer would be essentially a difference between computer and no computer.
0: When can I get one in a smartphone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. First, we're probably going to hit uh, military and yeah. or governmental. Right. Then big, giant school computers that it's going to take a lot of filter down to our iPhones or your iPhone.
0: So it's going to be one of those things that uh, once it's out there, the future generations will look back at, at what we have today as quaint toys.
1: Yeah. Be like,
0: oh, how cute. They could do one or a zero, and, and it, sometimes they could do them really fast.
1: That is so cute. Yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of like, you know, you look back at the slide rule, and you're like, how do you work this thing? Oh, you kind of
0: shake it. Or the What? Ag- Wait, oh, shoot. Abacus. Yeah, abacus,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was going to go back to the abacus, but I decided to be a little bit more. Oh, no, it was good. It's
0: sextant. I mean, we could keep going. We could keep going. Yeah. But yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and of course, it's something that I've heard a lot about over the years, but it seems like more and more uh, science around it is coming out. And it's actually yeah. starting to sound like something that people are starting to wrap their head around.
1: Yeah. So uh, that's you know part of the reason why I got that. It was actually funny. They always award them on December the 10th hmm. um, for uh, Alfred Nobel's death in 1896 on the anniversary of. But they tell you a long time, you know, pre of four, you know, we obviously know about them now, but they call the people up. So the Frenchman is, you know, walking down the street and they, they call him up and they're like down the road and he's like, I found the nearest bench to sit on. And then I finished talking to the Nobel committee. Of course, the American had an even better story. He was in bed in the middle of the night. His wife woke up and he answered the phone. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're like, honey, wake up. The Nobel Committee is on the line. Wow. You probably want to catch this.
0: Yeah, you know, that would be like, honestly, too, like, I would never take that call.
1: So yeah. I, would not,
0: I would not have gotten that call. I have my phone set up to be silent at night, so I would not yeah. even have gotten the call at all. And well,
1: you know, I'm sure they might have tried again. It's maybe. not like if they don't catch you the first time, you, you lose You don't it. win? Yeah, well, I, I doubt not. it.
0: Otherwise, I would be screwed, Heather.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I imagine they kind of expected that they might not be able to get a hold of the American in the middle of the night. But.
0: Kind of trolling them, really. Yeah. And how are you going to go back to sleep after that?
1: Yeah, no. I'm not going back to sleep right after that.
0: No, no. Um, now, I don't understand how it all works, but I guess it's a completely different committee that's involved yes. with the science end of the uh, Nobel Peace Prize or a Nobel Prize in physics mm-hmm. than like the Nobel Prize that was just awarded to the EU and things like that. Like they're completely yeah. different organizations in a sense, but I don't understand yeah. any of it. That's all I know.
1: Well, it it would make sense. The people who would... Like I could get a grip on the awards in physics. Is there any way I could get a grip on an award in social economic political stuff? no
0: no uh,
1: no i i I would fail i I would give it to uh you know Barney the dinosaur. goodness forbid i I wouldn't know enough, so it makes complete sense that there would be different entities for all yeah. these specific things. They're just all connected sort of in a group and
0: You never know, that call in the middle of the night could be uh, the uh, Nobel uh, Committee calling to give us uh, a prize in podcasting. So we should take those late night calls.
1: Yeah, they open up a a podcasting.
0: I'm going to have my ear out for it.
1: Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, like, make a note of your phone. It's like, from Europe, make a noise. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if we can do that. That's
0: pretty fancy. It might be able to do that, though. (laughs) Any other thoughts on that one?
1: Uh, Just some people were wondering why the Higgs didn't get it. The, you know, the the boson, the big announcement that CERN made on July 4th. And
0: mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: There's a lot of speculation that that would get it. Well, there yeah. was. Now, there is a remote possibility that it is actually not the Higgs. It hasn't been identified as the Higgs boson because uh, they haven't identified, you know, its properties. Now, if it's not the Higgs boson, that's still big news because something's there and we think we know what it is. And if it's not. That's just as ground shaking. Probably next year's more.
0: (laughs) Probably next year's.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, it will eventually win. The question is, just when will it win? Um, And then there's other complications. There were six physicists, um, each working about at the same time, working off each other's work. That within four months, all were published back in 1964, talking about this kind of a particle. Uh, the first ones were uh, a Belgian uh, who died last year and François Englert. Uh, the next one was Higgs. So he was the third person to, to publish, but he was actually the first person to say that the particle would explain uh, a connection to mass. Mm. So, they on- what it comes down to is they only put three names on there. Now, it can be an, an entity, an organization, an organization. But, out of all the thousands of physicists who would work at the two labs at CERN, you know experimentalists, um right are this going to be the theoreticians, um the people who wrote the articles, are the experimentalists like CERN, now you could actually name CERN itself as one of the winners?
0: Oh
1: but the Nobel like the Peace Prize award is awarded to organizations, other uh, Nobel Prizes are awarded to organizations. The science prize is more, definitely more often than not, delivered um, to in specific individuals. Hmm. So what three names will on, beyond there, you can't give them posthumously, which was why there was some push to go ahead and do it tonight or this year. Because... Higgs, he's, he's 83, he's getting on in years, and so there was some push to kind of maybe, well, why don't you just kind of fudge it a little and so he can have his name on there? But in the end, it wasn't for sure. We can't, until they have all the information about its, you know, what it's doing, then they can say whether or not what exactly it is, award it for the Higgs boson, or wait until we find something like the Higgs boson. So it was kind of interesting. I I honestly, I really didn't think they would. I wasn't quite sure, but I thought there was a good chance that they wouldn't because it wasn't for sure. They mm-hmm. couldn't make a specific announcement.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. It does make sense. You're right.
1: And, you know, reading up all the other things, I, I didn't realize that it could only you know, only three names or organizations could go on there. I
0: didn't know that either.
1: So it it does make it specifically more interesting Mm -hmm. and a complication, especially for this kind of stuff where you had the people who think about what it is and then the people who actually prove. So there's there's two very different sides of it and who really gets up on top.
0: Mm -hmm. Could be the basis for a fantastic uh, science reality TV show. Right, oh, you could goodness. vote each other off, or vote each other off the <laughs> island, and then the last three scientists standing get the prize.
1: <laughs> vote off the science island. Could be a new way to fund projects. <laughs> you are the linkest leak. Link. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> off the island you go.
0: Your science is though. They can have science quizzes, and whoever fails the most gets vote. Yeah, I love it. I love it.
1: You're uh-huh. you're given a couple of rolls of duct tape, and you have to make yourself a duct tape boat and paddle off the island.
0: <laughs> oh, I would fail that badly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. Well, uh, very cool. Now, links in the show notes to that stuff. Anything in particular you want to direct people's attention to?
1: Uh. No, there are. Well, for the most part, there is the... I've actually got the link to the official website for the Nobel Prizes. So if you're interested in any, any of the others um, that I didn't want to or didn't get to have, to have a chance to talk about, go ahead and uh, head over there and check it out.
0: Very nice. Now, uh, why don't we uh, take a pause right here and reflect on a very disturbing fact. One that seems to be uh, in my thoughts a lot these days, and that is the holidays. Can I just like I'm thinking about birthdays? Angel's birthday is in November, right? And uh, my mom's birthday, and then of course it's Christmas. And uh, so, uh, boy, oh boy! And you know what? You know what? It, it happens faster than I can even remember. And I just want to say this would be an excellent time if folks want to help support the network while they're doing their holiday shopping. Head over to JupiterBroadcasting.com. Now we have links down there to our affiliates. If you don't, uh, if you're on a computer you're not normally at, and you just need to do some shopping, you can head to our site first if you want to. Uh, and we just added eBay down there. If you're going to get somebody Netflix, I, you know what, Netflix? Seriously, the great thing about Netflix, just click our link first. That way your shopping session is tagged for us, and then you can send it as an email gift, and you can print out a little thing. And it sounds, it sounds kind of, it kind, it of sounds like maybe that's like taking the easy way out. But if somebody doesn't have Netflix. Sh- that's not that's not the easy way. That's actually a really great gift. And you can get them like yeah. three months. I love Netflix. And yes. uh, that link right there will uh, give us a little kickback. But what I would like to really mention is our, our affiliate extensions, because then you don't have to really have to think about it. And we're always adding even more than what we have linked at our site, because I don't want to get it too cluttered down there. So we we add more in uh, here, like a uh, different country support and things like that. So we have links to our Chrome and Firefox extension at the bottom of JupiterBroadcasting dot com. You can click that and just add that to your browser and then it just takes care of it for you.
1: Always so helpful for those of us that are kind of forgetful sometimes, Yes, more yes. often than not.
0: Yes, you see how you can you can understand why I was uh, inspired to get an extension made. So Yes. Uh, so thank you everyone who does that. And, uh, you know, Heather made a pick last week and I just wanted to mention it again because it was a really great one. Is Star Wars The Clone Wars is coming out uh, the season four on Blu-ray on the thir- 23rd of this yes. October. And if you have yourself a, blu- a Blu-ray player and you're looking for something that really is going to make that thing shine, this is going to make you drool. You are not going to believe your yes. eyes when you see this thing on Blu-ray. So uh, we, I, we're we going to put this in the show notes. If you buy a Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 4 or anything at Amazon while you're shopping, a uh, portion of your purchase goes to this here very show. Um, You know, interestingly enough, with the new Kindles coming out too, probably worth a mention, one of the things that we get the highest margin on And probably because Amazon makes it themselves are the Kindle. I don't know if we get the same that we used to, but we used to get like, on the more expensive ones, like I'm sure it's not this anymore. But on the more expensive ones, we used to get like 20, 25 bucks a Kindle. Wow. Yeah. So if a few people get Kindles for Christmas, that, you know, that's nice. Yeah. And Um, even
1: like a special little note off the side. Plus, I supported science.
0: Yes. There you go. Well, it's what Kindle does or what? What do you mean? No,
1: like, would you give the present? Oh, You'd be like, not yeah. only did I get you a present, but yeah. I supported
0: science. Yeah, that's true. You supported the, you. You supported one of the best weekly, the best, the best <laughs> weekly science podcast on the internet. I don't know of any better one than this one, right here. There is the best one I know of. <laughs> all right. Well, with all that done, thank you everyone for uh, for who that does that. Why don't we move on to the news bite? All right. What is our first story in the news bite?
1: We have returned. Talked about the Red Bull Stratus jump last week, and it actually happened on Sunday. Yeah, did it. So reached an altitude of 128,000 feet, overshot. Actually, you know, I saw it lift off, and I was excited. If you actually got to see it, um, there's a highlights clip in the show notes on the uh, images. But you could see, you know, the balloons going up, and then the crane is just whipping down the runway so that it's vertical, that way it, he doesn't swing and you know hit the runway before he goes up, but as you know they show the videos as it goes up, and they're actually able to watch them from cameras on the ground. hooked huh. it up so that they had really powerful you know telescopic cameras watching it, someone sometimes in the infrared, sometimes in the regular, but I saw the balloon getting so big, and I saw it hitting certain altitudes, and it was still going up. you know they hit the Hundred and twenty five thousand. They're like, All right. And then it kept going up at a thousand feet a minute. Wow. And these balloons have a pop altitude. There's a specific altitude that they will pop. And they started talking, you could kinda of hear it like, All right, are we going forward? Or Are we gonna, you know, keep the capsule locked up and he's just gonna come down mm. in the capsule? And that was partly because you have to have that done before the balloon pops. Because once the balloon pops has probably quite a bit more difficult and a whole bunch more complications going on. <laughs> yeah. So that was one thing that I noticed. I was like, uh-oh, I bet not many people are thinking this. Because I've dealt with these kind of, kind of balloons before right, and they right. re- hit a, hit a float of, altitude. We're just kind
0: of uh, uh, pleasantly unaware of the risk yes. when we're watching.
1: Of of the risk of the balloon popping right over his head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he did have a, there's there a couple of quote unquote records that haven't been specifically identified yet or approved. Reached an, a speed of 706 miles per hour. So he actually got to 1.2 Mach. He didn't really feel anything. He said that there was like a pressure and then there was less pressure. That was about it. And it's actually funny, it was on the anniversary of Chuck Yeager's breaking the sound barrier in an airplane. And he said something similar. He's like he was really hoping for really dramatic something and (laughs) there wasn't really anything dramatic. I seem to remember
0: watching live though when he when he broke that sound barrier, he started flipping like head over feet, it looked like in the video. Like they're showing it right now. And it's just like was head over feet, head over feet for a little bit, and then he kinda straightened out again. Was that
1: no, that's right at the start. You won't hit mm, okay. your maximum speed right at the start. What happened was the air is so thin that you can't have resistance to keep straight. There's very, they, they expected there to be some spin. Mm, okay. Um, there's very little ability to control yourself. You have to hit to a certain... The atmosphere has to be so thick, so you had to come down a certain, to a certain altitude in order for there to be enough air molecules around you so that you could kind of maneuver somewhat. Um, uh, Kininger, the guy in the the last record holder, who was in the the control room, when he made a jump back in 1959 or 60, he one of them he got into a spin that actually knocked him out. It was mm. like they calculated it was like 22 gs.
0: Well, if, listening to his audio, it did sound like he got a little disoriented during it because uh, he was yes. slurring a lot, and they were having the, they were ask, they were having to ask him to repeat quite a few time, quite a few things.
1: Yeah, well, he he probably had a few things on his mind. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I mean, I'm not criticizing, um, but I did seem like he they, got a little wonky.
1: Yeah, they did have an ongoing issue about the heater on the faceplate, which means he was fogging right, up. Right, You know, he said, you know, um, I'm pretty foggy. And I, if they really expected him to go through free fall a little bit longer. Yeah. And to me, my guess is he wanted to push it as far as he could, but because the... The fogging. He probably didn't want to push his luck, so he's like, "All right, let let's let's slow this down, and I'll go through parachute for a little while."
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then there was some disorientation about, you know, which way was east, which way was north, and you know, as they were coming down, he's having a little bit of, you know, issue angling mm. to the to a, where he was supposed to go. Mm. But it, it's kind of funny, you know. It's everyone's all about this edge of space thing. Wasn't Really the edge of space. I mean, the, it only got to about 48% of the altitude that NASA awards pilot astronaut wings to. You know, they say, you know, 50 miles and you, you pilot, we award you um, astronaut wings. And he got to about a little less than 50% of that.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, what's generally accepted as, quote unquote, space is like 60 miles. So we hang got to 40% of that. So it was like 40% of the way to the edge of space, sort of. Huh. And, you know, some people were talking about this as, you know, scientific proof. And there, did, there was some science to it. He was testing, you know, the spacesuit and how maneuverable it could be. But I know some people are saying, you know, well, it could be for bailout for, you know, private spaceflight. Or- oh, that's interesting. It was also somebody that talked about the space station, but it really wouldn't work for the space station. Right. Because he only flew like 12% of the orbit of the space station. Right. So, obvious. I mean, you have the obvious chick of giant publicity. You know, there are there is some science to it. There was some, you know, he wants to push it to the edge of and beyond. I saw one quote that he's like, all right, now I'm going to find myself a wife and pilot helicopters for search and rescue. <laughs> That's it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he probably won't you know, have a hard time doing that, so.
1: Yeah, you know, call it on a high note. You're like, you know what? I, like, gathered all, half the luck in my entire life. I did this. I'm good.
0: Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah.
1: And he's like, um, now I'm looking forward to being the old man in Mission Control when the next guy uh, tries to break my record.
0: It's uh and you know it, I mean of course the uh the you know Red Red Bull's behind this the guy that runs Red yeah. Bull is a uh, you know he walked out of college with a degree in marketing that's what his focus is so I mean he knows how to do this kind of stuff oh, right yeah so uh, you know good on them I mean this was fun to watch and yes. uh, the other record that he broke was uh, live streams they uh, YouTube had eight million concurrent live views of the event as it was happening that's a record the previous record uh, for YouTube I believe was. Uh, either one million or half a million, it was it was substantially low. So, they, I mean, they didn't just break the record, they shattered the record, uh, which oh. is which I think is really encouraging for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. I think it's encouraging for sort of not the changing of the guard, but the signaling of a new era in media, uh, and it shows that people can organize online for media, and it shows that people are interested in science type events, although there's a lot of action spin on this, but people are still yeah. very interested in this kind of space stuff.
1: I would have liked there to be a bit more uh, science embedded somewhere, but you know, because there were, you know, a lot of people watching and they but could have know, had a still, little bit of science. Although the high level you of know, space still capsule,
0: it's it's jumping. Yeah, know I mean? at the, the whole high level idea is there. Y- yeah, I mean it's it's making and at those least,
1: interested will go out and maybe search for something.
0: It's at least making that stuff part of a dialogue again. I guess that's one benefit, right? And yeah. and and I love seeing I love seeing new media benefit from that as well. Even if yeah, uh, even if you know it's just in 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 bursts, uh, it's it, it's interesting. And I enjoyed watching. it. We watched it live during the Linux Action Show. He actually jumped during one of our segment breaks. In fact, uh, if you uh, if you look at the last like thirty seconds of the Linux Action Show, it's our uh, clips of our reactions when he jumped, and we kind of jumped with him. And and yeah. uh, it was it was it was really fun to watch it. And the chat room was really into it. Oh yeah. Oh, it was good times. Good times to watch. And uh, uh, now, you know, maybe maybe they do it again, only they take a little bit further, right? They go, so this one was only 40%. Maybe next time they get to 60% or something like that.
1: Yeah, just inched up slow but sure. Good yeah. luck to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, Heather. Well, with that, with that covered, then uh, should we move on to the Two Byte News?
1: Let's go. Let's hit it. Two Byte News. Two Byte News. Oh two oh, oh, oh two-byte two news.
0: No, it's the two-byte news, not news the three-byte, because it's a high-byte. <laughs> there we go. Not the four-byte news. It's the two-byte yep. news. All right, hello. Yes. Well, what's our first story?
1: All right. A quick note, there's some major exoplanet news today and yesterday going on, mm. including an Earth-sized exoplanet that has been discovered by, at our nearest star. And there's also uh, citizens. I've talked talked about it a few times. This, um, you know, planet hunters, where it's crowdsourcing science. You know, you go and you look at the Kepler data and you see the dips, and you can say, "Hey, I think this is a planet." They've actually hmm. identified a planet from them, and it was in a four star system.
0: Hmm. Well, so, four star. Whoa, really?
1: Yes. Well, that's so, got to be hot. Yeah, and uh, next week I'm gonna have a lot more on both of those. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned them. Oh, okay. And kind of a uh, tease for next week, so I can really get all the information together.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm really interested. Because in I did not one. want to shortchange
1: either one of those totally. stories.
0: Well, that's really cool, and uh, I just want to say, yeah, howdy neighbor to our uh, new neighbors. Yeah. All right. What's next?
1: All right, a musical dental drill. <sighs> so, because we all love going to the dentist, uh huh, and we all love that awful, terrible. Evil sound of the drill. Yes. So there was a dental surgeon in Indonesia. I'm not going to try to pronounce his poor city's name. He actually hooked a P- MP3 player up to the drill so that it would play loud enough to drown out the whine of the instrument. You are kidding me. He, like, he did all these kind of things because a great deal of his, his patients were kids. So he like, put little toys and flashing lights on the end of it and realized the sound itself. Well, it all came because he's like, all right, they're not afraid of me. They're not afraid of pretty much anything. They're afraid of the drill. So let's try... Now, let's see what we can do. Oh, look, little toys on the end of it. And it's like, okay, now it's the sound. All right, let's see what we can do. And he actually hooked it up so like the, the wider you open your mouth, the louder the sound gets. Huh. So it's kind of not... You know, you don't want... Theoretically, you wouldn't have to be like told, all right, open your mouth, open your mouth, open
0: your mouth. It's like a bone speaker. Like, it's not like a, I mean, this is how is he transmitting the sound? Is there, do you know, is it like transmitting through your tooth? Because I know like, I know that sounds crazy, but I actually have like a Jabra jawbone Bluetooth headset that uses the bone for the microphone.
1: Yeah. And there's those toothbrushes to the same. I think it might be. I wasn't completely clear in the article I saw.
0: Hmm. It's really funny though.
1: Yeah. He did like all the research and effort. In about a year, and for a little under six hundred dollars,
0: they've gone down there. The, uh, the uh, uh, MedicalExpress.com says they confirmed the doctor's claims by actually visiting the drill in use on a young female patient. Who says her daughter no longer fears going to the dentist.
1: Yes. <laughs> so and it's funny because he like made it specifically for the kids, but in his practice, but quite a few of the adults are kind of like, "Can I, can I have the music, please?"
0: So he's been using this practice since 2006.
1: Yeah, now he's wow. has pre- he's presented it to modified drill to the attendees of the International Dental Congress held in Greece earlier this year. So yeah. he did it for himself. Now he's kind of putting it out there and maybe seeing, you know, what might happen.
0: I thought this. Was gonna, I thought you were going to tell me they were doing uh, like with sound waves or something.
1: Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm not entirely sure. They didn't make it clear in the article as I saw it. Hmm. As to how they were. It could be sound.
0: Yeah, I guess you should just eat. Like, I I agree with uh, Dad in the chat room. Or, no, Creepy Uncle. He deserves a Nobel Peace Prize for this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because we'll all be happier.
0: (laughs) Right. All right. uh,
1: I know I want to take my little MP3 player and crank the sound up as loud as I can. Do you?
0: You know, uh, my uh, dentist office has sunglasses with screens built in where you watch a movie.
1: Yeah, I have awesome coworkers that are the same.
0: Doesn't really do it for me.
1: Yeah. And plus I the sunglasses. The is, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. You know, sound would be, sound would make a big difference. Sound would be, a, make a big difference. All right. Well, why don't we do the spacecraft update? So I got this little button right here. I push that, and makes that yeah. sound because it means it's time huh? for the spacecraft update. Yeah. All right. Um. Now we're going to talk a little Endeavor, aren't we?
1: Yes, we are. It has finally found its new home. So we reached the threshold of the California Space Center hangar at about, uh, 2 p.m. California time on October the 14th. So they had to like they removed a temporary wall. I'm like, all right, we're gonna remove the rear wall and then kind of put it back. Oh, really? Now this one, they're actually going to exhibit it um, vertical. So they're gonna hoist it up so it's gonna sit completely vertical, like it would on the launch pad. They're gonna have some, you know, recreate, you know, replica external fuel tanks. So they'll kind of show it that way. Which is is interesting. Now the whole trip itself was crazy. Like the drive I was talking um, Right. You know last week they had to use the Toyota to drive it over the highway Yeah. because they couldn't have you know computer driven things over the highway so they had to there were a couple complications about transferring it to various um, you know wheeled motors or all the various means of transportation how they moved it. Then there was a it was supposed to take two days, but it ended up taking three days because there was a little bit of a miscalculation. Uh-oh. And it looked like it was in some residential area. Like it was like quasi-residential. And they're like, um, hmm. Let's, looks like they stopped at the donut
0: this. shop, actually, is what it looks like.
1: Yeah, they they made a stop at the donut shop, too. So, a giant <laughs> donut for the shuttle. That, that's awesome. That's an awesome picture. Yep. Donuts yeah. and shuttle.
0: Good. Do they actually get out and have some donuts?
1: Oh, maybe, I hope so. <laughs>
0: I see there's a shell gas station across the street too, so if they needed to fill up on gas, they could
1: there you go so is it so, actually being
0: towed with a toyota truck
1: uh for across the over the overpass it was
0: is this like a is this like a sponsored thing?
1: Yeah, they did have a a sponsorship somewhere in there.
0: that's a pretty incredible sponsorship to be able to say your truck pulled your your i mean that's something you can use in commercials for a long time
1: yeah. And I think it's going to be displayed. Also, the truck itself.
0: Oh yeah, sure. It's famous. I'm, it's famous truck now.
1: Yeah, it. it space shuttle truck. Space, you space know? shuttle truck. Yeah. You know, yeah. I towed a tra- tractor. Oh, it's okay. I my, look at my motorhome. I trade it. You know, I I hauled. Uh huh. Now what I, I a space what I
0: also like about and I don't know who did this, but I, here's what I like to picture. So they had these shuttle crossing signs that they yes. put up. And what I like to believe is that NASA just had these all along, like in the NASA <laughs> warehouse for opportunities, like because NASA just thought of everything, right? And so uh-huh. they had these, and then, then they just went and got these. I, I prefer not to think that they just made these for this event. You think I'm? Yeah. You think I'm right there?
1: Um, if in the Chris universe you okay. want it to be right,
0: I do a lot.
1: Okay, yeah. the Chris universe that can be true. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, Th- for the rest of us, no. Ah. Uh, no, you're in the Chris universe. Yeah, you you didn't good. hear that part. Okay, good. <laughs> but it came so close a couple of times that they had to, like, forget three point, it was like 10 point, you know, like drive forward a little bit mm. and back up and slowly, like, try to maneuver past trees and all sorts of various stuff. So, but they finally got it across. There was a lot of people who went and saw it. Yeah. So, as yes,
0: they should, right? I would if I was oh, in the yeah. area. Oh, man. I'd still be down there. I'd be taking video. I'd be posting that video online. Then I'd be getting YouTube takedowns. It'd be great. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, keep us posted if anything else happens. But I guess for now, it's kind of, it's at its home.
1: Yep. For now, they're all tucked away in their various homes and just prepping for their display sections to open.
0: Now we just wait for somebody to go in there and hijack it and take it off and just fly out of there. You let us know when that happens.
1: We on Slybite, do not condone you actually trying to steal the space shuttle.
0: But, if you do tweet about it, put it up on YouTube,
1: yeah, We're now, just... I'm not sure if you want to mention us,
0: yeah, don't don't mention yeah, don't, us don't, no. don't mention us, no, no, but do do tweet at j b underscore mars underscore base
1: no, no. <laughs> She totally didn't have anything to do about this. She told me not to do this, and I did it anyway. That, that's pretty much all you could say.
0: All right, so uh, let's talk about this. This this has been a topic that's been on the show a few times, but I keep yes. seeing headlines about it. Is Voyager 1 in interstellar space?
1: They are getting in the magnetic data now. This is the one. They've seen two of the three things that they want to happen. The high energy cosmic rays from outside our solar system have... You know, jumped. The particles from the sun have dropped, and they've actually, you know, at one point they dropped, and then they jumped back up, and they dropped, and they mm. jumped back up. Now they've been They're down. really low yeah. all the way since August. Yeah. Now the third thing is for the magnetic field. The you know the sun has a magnetic field in one direction, and they expect that the you know the galaxy itself will have a magnetic direction in a different direction.
0: Okay. Ah, so you start so seeing it wa- go the other
1: way. Yeah, so you're going to see a flip to s- some unknown degree of the magnetic field. Oh. Now, there's a small possibility that's in the same direction, but very unlikely. There's 360, you know, degrees, 180 in different ways it can be oriented. Right. So they're going through the data now. And it seems to me, I was kind of reading in between the lines.
0: Seems like they think, they're think they thinking it is. I mean, it's yeah, been. They-
1: now, they're pretty much, they say they're like analyzing the data and they're reanalyzing it. So, my guess is that every single person on that team is going to be absolutely sure and double check like 20 times. Because they don't want to say, oh my gosh, we're in interstellar space, and then like two months later go, um, maybe, maybe not. Boy, but you
0: look at this, though, it's been like all the other previous times, boy, I'd be really surprised if it goes up, but you just never know, I guess. In fact, it's still trending downwards. Even if you look at the very end of the data that we have now, it's still trending downwards.
1: Yeah. Now, the complication to all this is we really don't have any idea what to expect. Um, Hmm. Data from back in 2010 broke the only working model we had. So we really don't know. That's part of the reason why it's all... Well, it's always been so, oh my gosh, we're close. Oh my gosh, we're close. Cause
0: it's been like that for a while now.
1: Yeah. Uh unique in the chat room. Isn't interstellar space relative? That's kind of where it comes in. It's where does where does it where is the boundary? And we're mm-hmm. kind of figuring that out as we go. And then as we go, we're going to make definitions.
0: Right. But we're basically, yeah, I mean, geez, wow, that's looking. That's really exciting. Look at us go, huh? Look
1: at us. Just yeah. Look at us just sending so, stuff out there. Almost there.
0: Next step, noticed by the Vulcans. So we're right on track. Okay. Right on track. All right. So one of the things that kind of came up uh, when we were covering the SpaceX launch was that uh, that faulty engine, right? Yes. Now, did that lead to this uh, the issues with the uh, satellite?
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Essentially, um, because they had to deal with NASA for the Dragon spacecraft. NASA said, if one of your engines fails, mm-hmm. then you are not allowed to make the second boost, oh. which Orbcom needed. So wasn't it wasn't a technical said, failure at that point? No, it absolutely was not. It was that NASA said, should one of your engines fail, you are not allowed to make the second, the second boost that, that, need, that it needed because it wanted to make sure that there was an excess of fuel, involved for maneuvering with the space station and they wanted to make sure that that was absolutely on mark and cuz that was going to launch in into the the orbit of the space station and they wanted it to be of maximum you know protection. huh So they had that deal to say and they told Orbcom, the people of the satellite. They're like, "Um, here are our rules. It's part we're going to do deal. the best we can for you." Mm-hmm. You know, they had an insurance policy they're going to take it out it really was only the the test model they're putting it up to get all the data now they said that they probably have enough data for the whole thing that just from what they had they were able to detect that the solar arrays, the communications all deployed oh, no that there that there was power and altitude control and all these various things happened so they had just requested you know hey can we put our small Prototype up here, so we can test it, get our test data, and they have, and they they did it, so there was that obvious issue now you know it's just a matter of orbcom isn't really mad. they're going to continue using SpaceX for the rest of their satellites. It wasn't particularly a you know a groundbreaking error on their part, right it was that they had a deal with NASA okay, if this happens, we're not allowed to you know do the the bells and whistles we have to be focused on. Dragon spacecraft going to the space station. Makes sense. So just kind of some ongoing as the as the facts roll out. Just wanted to keep everybody updated about that.
0: Well, thank you very much, ma'am. Now, uh, should we do a little update on opportunity? Isn't it getting a little grabby out there? We haven't talked about opportunity for a little while.
1: Yeah, I know. He's been outshone by his uh younger uh bigger. <laughs> yeah, younger, bigger brother, mm-hmm. grandson, yep. whatever you want to call it. Cousin. So I don't it's, know, yeah. Yeah, it's still trucking along. It's still doing its science. It's actually near a giant, uh, well, large, large, uh, light-toned, exposed route op- rock outcrop that they actually were able to go out and they had the um, the rat, the rock abrasion tool. They're able to still use that. So they reached out and they brushed the surface, brushed the surface with that on the uh, October the sixth, and in order to get near it, so they aimed, they had used the arm to get close to it. And then they moved the rover in like the smallest amount ever done. They moved it an inch. <laughs> they moved the rover itself an inch.
0: Hmm. Just so very, they, very precise measurements.
1: They're like dink. And that's it. They're like, okay, go very, very slowly. Get a very small amount. So they could get, you know, close to the up close to this rock. Wow. So cool. they, you know, brushed it for fifteen minutes and then they took some <laughs> how you do it. Yeah, for mosaics, and then they use their X-ray spectrometer to take, you know, overnight um, images of what was going on. So it's still it's still trucking. It's gone, you know, almost about twenty-one and three quarters of miles. Hmm. So it's it's still trucking. It's still actually doing its science. And it still has the abrasion tool, so it can go out and scuff rocks and take a spectrometry on it. So.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Good for it. And now yeah. we're getting we're getting science from all over Mars. Speaking of which, should I fire off our Curiosity update?
1: You can. And lift off of the Atlas V with Curiosity.
0: That's a wheel. That's a that wheel, Hammer. was a wheel. <laughs> all right. It was. It was. Hey, you all know what? All the
1: science in the world and on Mars, and it's a wheel. That, it's still very, very
0: exciting. It's like when, and this can be maybe not quite as apt, but uh, you know when uh, you're having a baby. Hey, that's a head. That's a head. I <laughs> recognize that. That's a head. Oh, my God. It's actually happening. <laughs> we did it. Right? It's kind of like that. They're like, oh, man. not Because it's like, not only are we getting pictures back, so that means the data connection's working and that all the equipment to do that is working, but the wheel's intact. That's a lot. That's good news, too.
1: Wheel's intact. Mm-hmm. It's on the ground. It's actually... The place it's supposed to be, it's yeah. awesome.
0: So what's it up to?
1: righty. So the first rock that it was integrating, that it was uh, talking with, talked about that a couple weeks ago. It actually was a lot more varied composition than any other mission has seen on Mars. It was made from a really unusual but well-known type of igneous rock found in many volcanic provinces on Earth. It generally comes from a process uh, when the mantle beneath the crust um, and it's crystallized from relatively water-rich magma at really high pressure. Magma. Yep, so there's water, there's magma, there's pressure. So they see this, they actually saw this on Mars, Hmm. which is the first time it's actually been seen there. So more evidence of water and kind of interesting new geological science going on there. Also continued the, talked about it last week, the foreign object debris, the shiny object. Oh, yeah. What was
0: with that? Any more news?
1: Uh, They determined it was just a piece of plastic, maybe even a piece of shrink tube. Once I saw the uh, Uh up-close picture of it, it did look like a piece of shrink tube. Now, it could be from the rover, or it really could have been from one of the descent stages. You know, the back shell that popped off or any of those things, that little piece of shrink tube just floated about in the atmosphere and landed right there Uh so either one so it's very it's benign they're not worried about it so they're able to so they were holding their first scoop until they figured out what that was so they released that they actually went in for the second scoop Uh then from where they saw where they scooped it up they actually saw some more kind of shiny particles some bright particle material and so then they stopped again they're like okay Great. Is this whole area contaminated? What's going on? And then they looked closer, and it was actually so they dumped the second scoop, and they went for the the third, and they actually saw that some of the bright particles were in the clods of regolith itself. So they're like, okay, so they're sparkles. Yeah, the sparkles were in the soil. So they mm-hmm. went in for the third scoop, and so they're now going to be looking forward to further investigation of all these right particles and see if they can figure out what exactly they are and you know, everything was going on about them.
0: Huh. I I think it's uh I think it's pretty wild to watch uh these completely two different built rovers uh get the science done at the same time. I mean uh you know, we talk a lot about budget cuts and things like that, but in some ways they're really rocking some really good projects over there too.
1: Yeah. Well, you really gotta take what you which you yeah, can because yeah. there's not going to be another rover mission for a little while now. Oh, okay. So.
0: Better enjoy it while we can, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Get everything out of it that you can.
0: It's interesting. They just found that. It's like, yeah, it's just some science or just some plastic. No big deal. Just plastic. Just plastic.
1: Yeah, well, stop, look at it, cl- analyze it very closely. They're like, that's yeah, uh, boring. It's just plastic. I was hoping it plastic. was
0: like, uh, you know, uh, alien candy wrapper or something. No. You don't think that could be what it was?
1: No, probably not.
0: Ah, Too bad. All right. Well, I like, mean, if it
1: was an angling candy wrapper, they probably would have stuck gum on the top of the rover.
0: Heather has a link to the uh, YouTube uh, video they do, where they do their weekly update on what's going on. They have uh, cool images and uh, things to check out. Although not hosted by Mohawk Guy, apparently Mohawk's too good for YouTube these days, so it's They're hosted by. They're changing
1: it out every week. They get a new
0: headphones on the neck guys. Uh, it was on this week.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't care for headphones. But yeah, there's the
1: neck. plenty of images about what exact some of the things that I talked about: the foreign object, the bright particles, and the scoops. So great links, great YouTube stuff and images. So hop on over there if you're interested in checking any of that out.
0: Absolutely. And Heather, why don't you hop in the time machine? Here we go.
1: All right. Wait. Close the door. <laughs> and
0: flip that flip that lever, would you?
1: Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. There it goes. All right. Okay.
0: Just a quick I don't trip. know what I just did. But... Well, uh, so I didn't want us to go too far because this, oh, this time okay. we're only going back 50 years. October 18th, 1962.
1: That's right. Nobel Prize the you know theme theme going on today, and uh, Dr. James D. Watson of the U.S. and Dr. Francis Crick and Dr. Maurice Wilkins of Britain won the Nobel Prize for Medicine and uh, Physiology for determining the double helix molecular structure of DNA.
0: Oh, how about that!
1: So that's a lot of tongue twisting words that I almost got through. Man, a but great yet they- discovery. Yeah, they figured out that there was a uh, had the double helix. Fifty years ago,
0: there you go! Wow, only fifty years. Yeah. There's there's people that uh, there's people down the road that will they'll just be like no big deal that we've that we have discovered that, but that's actually still fresh in our living memory. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. Well, then why don't we look up into the sky this week?
1: righty. Thursday, October the eighteenth, right about at twilight, Mars and Antares, uh orange star will be close into the lower right of the moon. Antares will be slightly brighter, but Mars will be higher, because Mars is more awesome. It'll we'll <laughs> be on top. Yeah. Speaking totally unbiased, on Saturday, October the 20th, right about fading twilight, they'll still be pretty close together, and in the southwest, and this time Mars will be to the upper right of Antares. On the whole this week, we've got Mercury. You can see low in the west to southwest, about 30 minutes after sunlight, sunset. Venus this week is about an hour before sunset. It'll be rising high in the east. Uh, sorry, an hour before sunrise. It'll be high in the east by dawn. And then Mars in the evening twilight, you'll be able to see that low in the southwest. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, to the left or you know, near uh, Antares. And Jupiter, you'll be able to see about uh, well after sun a sunrise, uh, sunrise about rises in the east to northeast this week.
0: Can't wait. Yep. So uh, uh, that's around, uh, you say nine a.m. of the shows. So Heather has all that listed out in the show notes too. If you uh, forget some of that and you want to check it out, so all right, Heather. Well, I think that's the whole show. Think so? Wow, heck of a heck of a week this week in science, and of course we do this here very show every single week over at JBLive.tv Tuesday nights at seven thirty p.m. Pacific, and then it's available for download Wednesday mornings over at JupiterBroadcasting.com. You can also uh, get a hold of Twitter. Our uh, Heather on Twitter at jb underscore mars underscore base, or email the show cybyte at jupiterbroadcasting And Heather, thank you for a great show. Thank you. And thank you to everyone in the chat room who joined us this week. And we're stars in our chat room. Hope you guys join us next week. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope you join us next week. See you right here.